This is Elizabeth Thicken, and I invite you to study the Bible with me. You'll hear lectures from my women's Bible studies that I teach at my church. I've written in-depth studies on seven books of the Bible. They're available on Amazon. There's much more information on my website, elizabeththicken.com. And you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Let's dig into God's Word together now, knowing that His message of salvation has been spoken to us by His Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And we'll trust that the Holy Spirit will teach us the things of God. From the funeral to the festival, we're going to be looking at Psalm 30. I love parties. You might already know that. I like planning. I like decorating for parties. I like decorating for Bible study. So at parties, we want to have good food, want to have good music, really want to have great people. People make the party. I love having a special event and a festival. It's not surprising that I would rather attend a festival than a funeral, but in the eternal scheme of things, we have to go to the funeral first. That's what we're going to see in Psalm 30. Psalm 30 is David's testimony about experiencing the pain of a funeral, but because of God's grace, he was able to celebrate the festival of life. This festival is one of great praise to God. On your handout, I'm going to go ahead and give you the fill in the blank so that you can just listen and take whatever other notes you want. David's testimony in Psalm 30 is one of a great preacher. He makes one point and he reiterates that point three times. It's all about the celebration. So first we'll see the summary of the celebration in verses one through three. He'll tell us why he's praising the Lord. And then in the second section, Psalm 34 and 5, we'll have the sharing of the celebration. David's going to exhort everyone to join in. And this is where I want you to think about that song you've heard. Celebrate good times. Come on. There's a party going on right here. A celebration to last throughout not just the year. God's celebration is going to let us celebrate for eternity. So David wants everyone to share the celebration. And then verses 6 through 12 will be the story of the celebration, the behind the scenes of what David experienced. He'll give us the details of his near-death experience. He'll tell us why he was suffering. And more importantly, this section will give us the description of God's grace and the difference that his grace makes. So we have... In Psalm 30, a summary of the celebration, the sharing of the celebration, and the story of the celebration. I'll give you the rest of the fill in the blanks later. This psalm I want to read to you now so you've got it fresh in your thoughts. I will extol you, O Lord, for you have lifted me up and have not let my enemies rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried to you for help and you healed me. O Lord, you have brought up my soul from Sheol. You have kept me alive that I would not go down to the pit. Sing praise to the Lord, you his godly ones, and give thanks to his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment, his favor is for a lifetime. 
Weeping may last for the night, but a shout of joy comes in the morning. Now as for me, I said in my prosperity, I will never be moved. O Lord, by your favor, you have made my mountain to stand strong. You hid your face. I was dismayed. To you, O Lord, I called, and to the Lord I made supplication. What profit is there in my blood if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it declare your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be gracious to me. O Lord, be my helper. You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and girded me with gladness that my soul may sing praise to you and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. This psalm is filled with contrasts. You see death versus life, self versus God, anger versus favor, sorrow versus joy, weeping versus shouting, mourning versus dancing. That's why we had the disco ball here for the dancing to the celebration. We're going to look at David's story and see how we too share the same story. We too go from the funeral to the festival. So part one, the summary of the celebration. In verses one through three, David says that he will praise the Lord because the Lord lifted him up. He healed him. He brought him up and kept him alive. David basically says, I'll praise you, Lord, because you saved me. You brought me from death to life. In these verses, specifically verse three, we see the opposite concepts of Sheol versus life. The language in this verse indicates that David was at death's door. I want to just mention something about Sheol. In the Old Testament, this is understood to be the place to which people descend at death. It's called the grave. It's called the pit. The Old Testament describes this as a place where both good and bad men and women go. There are differences of opinions on the meaning of this term because there are different perspectives about what the Old Testament teaches about life after death. That's not something I want to get into right now. But very simply, Sheol is the place of the dead. And the point of it being mentioned in this psalm is for us to see that David thought he was about to die. He's on the brink of death. And God brought him back to life. So look at verse 3. In the New King James, which is on your handout, it says, You brought up my soul from Sheol. You kept me. You have kept me alive. In the NIV, it says, you brought me up from the grave. You spared me from going down to the pit. The ESV says, oh, Lord, you have brought up my soul from Sheol. You restored me to life. There's one Hebrew word in the part of you've kept me alive. The Hebrew word is hayah, and basically it means to live, to be alive, to have life. But the form that's used in verse 3 means to be revived from sickness. It also means to be revived from discouragement, and it can 
mean to be revived from death and not resurrection like Lazarus was resurrected from the dead and uh, was given life by Jesus, but being so close that he did not die. David is communicating to us he was as good as dead, but God gave him life. So that's his short summary in those first three verses. That's his good news worth sharing and praising the Lord. And as I've brought to your attention, David wants everyone else to share in the celebration. So verses four and five, the sharing of the celebration, David tells all the people to sing praise to the Lord. He tells everyone to give thanks to the Lord. David had experienced a moment of God's anger, but a moment. It's just a short period of time that's being communicated to us. His anger is but for a moment, and weeping may last for the night. This is a short time, but God's favor, his grace, is for a lifetime. God's anger and his discipline against sin is temporary. When he shows his favor, that's going to last and there's a shout of joy when God shows his favor. Verse 5, weeping may last for the night, but a shout of joy comes in the morning. The Hebrew word here is rena. You can just write things the way they sound, or not write them at all, rena. <laughs> but it's a ringing cry. It's a shout of jubilation. And every time that this word is used in the Psalms, it's used in relation to rejoicing, to praising, to singing. It describes a joyful celebration. David has called everyone to sing and praise the Lord with him, to shout for joy to the Lord with him. Whatever that sounds like from your heart, through your lips, Sound it out to the Lord somewhere. If you just need to be alone, do it by yourself. But don't be afraid to praise the Lord with a shout of joy. Now we will consider the story of the celebration, the rest of this psalm. David gives us the details and the description of God's grace. Verse 6 tells us about David's sin. So letter A is David was arrogant. This is the first part of the story. In the New American Standard translation, it says, Now as for me, I said in my prosperity, I will never be moved. That's very similar to what you have in the New King James on your handout. The NIV says, When I felt secure, I said, I will never be shaken. When we look at the Hebrew, at the original language, it says, and I, I said in my ease, I will never be shaken. And I've emphasized the word or the pronoun I because the Hebrew emphasizes this pronoun. It uses the pronoun I even though it doesn't have to and it uses it for emphasis. David is acknowledging he individually was focusing on himself, not the Lord. He was comfortable. He was complacent. He had come to an independent self-assurance because everything was going so well. 
He was at the point where he thought he was fine and nothing was going to shake him. He could pretty much forget about God. And he did. He acknowledged his arrogance. I said, I will never be shaken. I'm fine. I can get along without God. But that's not true, is it? The next verse tells us what David realized, that it was only God's grace that had made him stand strong to begin with. Just looking at that again, verse 7, O Lord, by your favor you have made my mountain to stand strong. So letter B in the story is that God got David's attention. How did he do it? He allowed David to become dismayed and troubled. David experienced intense agony terror, anguish. This is when he was sinking down to death, down to the pit. His enemies wanted him to die. David may have had a physical sickness that took him to the brink of death. We're not quite sure. But this had come upon him because of his own independence, his self-centeredness, his pride, his arrogance. His distress brought him to his senses. That's the next part of the story, letter C. David begged for assistance. He called out to God for grace, for help. And he says, to you, O Lord, and you can see from the translation, Lord is in all caps. This is calling out to Yahweh. And he called to the Lord, and there it is where he uses the little letters lowercase letters, to the Lord, to Adonai, I made supplication. He asked for mercy. He asked for favor. And David realized once again that Adonai was his master. Master, sovereign, is the basic definition of Adonai when it says Lord there. David remembered, he acknowledged that God is the one in control of his life, the sovereign master over his life. And so he begged for his help. Verse 9 shows us, just as verse 3 did, that David thought he was about to die. He's saying, what good's it going to be if I, I can't praise you if I'm dead, Lord. So save my life so that I can praise you. The next part of the story, letter D, is that God was attentive in verses 10 through 12, we see the change brought about by the Lord's grace. David is no longer independent. He is dependent, totally dependent, calling on him to hear him and to be gracious to him. The verb tenses here are in the imperative. David is demanding, but we know he is respectfully demanding of the Lord. Hear, oh Yahweh, and be gracious to me, O Lord, be my helper. That's David's attitude now. And it's going to be his ongoing attitude. From now on, every day, Lord, hear me, be gracious to me, help me. Verse 11 shows us that the celebration happens in David's life. His mourning, his wailing, his grief from his near-death experience has changed to dancing. You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. God has also changed David's clothes. You've loosed my sackcloth and girded me with gladness. 
Let's think about the word dancing for a minute. It's another good reason that I've had the disco ball here today. The Hebrew word for dance is mahal, mahol. It's derived from a verb which means to whirl around in circular movements, spinning around, twirling in a circle. You could also picture a group holding hands and dancing in a circle. Those are the types of movements that seem to be indicated by this word mahol, the dancing. I used to be in the choir here at Colonial and there during choir practice we'd go into the auditorium, the uh, orchestra would play and during our practicing of hymns and praise songs sometimes there would be some little girls out on the gym floor and they would just twirl in innocent reverent dance to the worship songs that we were singing the most basic innocent graceful dance that praises the Lord and I look forward to pure reverent dances of joy that we will be able to participate in in heaven and you don't have to wait till you get to heaven dance before the lord praise him with dancing the next part of the story letter e david declares his adoration the psalm ends with the reason for god's grace to david it was in order that he could sing praise to God and give thanks to him forever. David says he will sing to the Lord and not be silent. He has to praise the Lord and tell everybody else. And he's doing it so they can praise the Lord too. It took David a funeral to get to the festival. Jesus and his disciples had to experience that too. Jesus explained this when he talked to his disciples about his own death and resurrection. So I want to share with you from John 16, 17 through 22, this discussion that happens. Some of the disciples said to one another, what does he mean? What does Jesus mean by saying, in a little while you will see me no more. And then after a little while you will see me. And what does he mean when he says, because I'm going to the father. They kept asking, what does he mean by in a little while. We don't understand what he's saying. Jesus saw that they wanted to ask him about this. So he said to them, are you asking one another what I meant when I said in a little while you'll see me no more? And then after a little while you will see me? I tell you the truth. You will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. I think if you're a mom, you can say amen to that. And when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. And you can say amen, hallelujah to that. So with you, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again. And you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. This is Jesus' promise to his disciples and to us, Jesus' death caused incredible grief in his own life, and it caused incredible grief in the lives of those around him who loved him and knew him for who he was. But his death was the only way to get to true joy. His resurrection broke the hold of death, and we celebrate his life.
because Jesus went from the funeral to the festival. We can have the same story that David shared in Psalm 30. So we've seen it come out of David's mouth. But let's consider how the New Testament tells us that this is our story. Let me give you the last three fill in the blanks, and then I'll tell you about them a little bit more. Because of sin, we were dead. I just have to say a little bit more before I go, before I go any further. Right there, dead means separated from God. That is the spiritual death, the situation into which every person, every human being is born. Spiritually dead, separated from God. Because of God's grace, we were raised from the dead. And because of God's grace, there's a big difference in our lives. Don't forget there's a big difference. So I'll come back to that. Because of our sin, we were dead. Because of God's grace, we were raised from the dead. And because of God's grace, there's a big difference in our lives. Now let me talk about all of that a little bit more. What was our sin? Depends on who you are. But basically, pride, rebellion, independence, selfishness. Those are the, the big uh, categories. And there are all those little sins that show up as a result of that situation. Because of our sin, we were dead. Romans 3.23 says, the wages of sin is death. Sin earns death. But God, but Jesus. Because of God's grace, we were raised from the dead. You're born dead into the world, even though your heart's beating and your blood's running through your body. You can walk around, dead men, dead women, walking. But in Christ, Believing in Christ as your Savior gives you life, and then you are alive for the first time. And if you don't have that phrase in your comprehension of what happened to you when you became a Christian, when you accepted Jesus as your Savior, please get that in your head. You became alive for the first time, alive to God. You were separated from God, and in Christ you become alive to God, and you're able to be near God and enter his presence. But I want to share Ephesians 2, 1 through 7, which tells us how all this happened and what was going on. Ephesians 2, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. And don't forget, when you look around you and you see someone who's not a believer, this is the situation that they're living in and walking in. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath even as the rest. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved." He raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. The party started for you, the celebration. 
in order that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. As we've been looking at the Psalms, one of the words that we have emphasized has been hesed, the loving kindness, the faithful, loyal love of the Lord. We've also seen the words favor and mercy and grace. Those are all over this description of our salvation. God being rich in mercy because of his great love. And he's going to show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness towards us. God's loving kindness, his hesed, is what acted towards us. And because of this, because of God's grace, there is a big difference in our lives. And again, please know you have been changed from sinner to saint you're a new creation. That's what 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. The weeping has passed away. The shouts of joy have come. The mourning and grieving in sin and because of sin can be over. And the mourning and grieving over our sin and repentance can look back and, and be grieved that we did sin against our God, but it's changed to joy. We are free to sing and shout and dance and rejoice in new life. The dirty, scratchy sackcloth. It showed our desperate condition. That's been removed and we've been clothed with gladness. Ephesians 4.24 says we've been clothed with the new man created according to God in righteousness and truth. This is to be the greatest source of joy in our lives. Not any circumstance, not any person, not any special blessing that we get, not our spiritual gift. Nothing is to bring us greater joy than the salvation that has been provided for us. A cure for coronavirus will cause great joy, but it is not better than being saved from eternal death. You may rejoice or you may cry after the election is over, and we don't know if it's going to be resolved today or tomorrow or when, but there is joy in our salvation. There is nothing that should give you greater joy than the fact that your names are written in heaven. Listen to what Jesus said about this. He made all of this clear to the disciples in Luke 10, 17 through 20. The 72 disciples returned with joy. They said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. I mean, they were pumped. <laughs> he replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. This is all good. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. So there you have it, straight from Jesus. Your greatest joy is to be that you belong to him, that your name is written in the book of life, that he has saved you from the pit of eternal death, hell. 
it's going to be torture for those who are eternally separated from God. But you are not. So at this, at this time, when many are in darkness of sin and they are now experiencing grief and uncertainty and fear and hopelessness, you who know Jesus have a celebration to share, a celebration to invite them to. Pray for those around you. Pray for our nation. Pray for the world to know Jesus as their Savior. That is what is most important. Pray that they will turn to God for help as David turned to God. And in repentance, he recognized his sin and knew his need. Pray that people around you will acknowledge there is a God and they need him. And do this so they can join the celebration that you are already enjoying. I would like to read Psalm 30 verses 11 and 12 together. I'd like you to read that with me on the back of, from the back of your handout. And I uh, hope that this is your personal testimony of praise, but let's read it together. You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and girded me with gladness that my soul may sing praise to you and not be silent. O oh Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. This also sets the stage for November, which is for many an, a time to observe thankfulness. What are you thankful for? Let us give. We will. We will give thanks to the Lord forever, forever and ever. We will be amazed. We don't understand how bad a situation we were in. We will only grow to understand that more and more throughout eternity as we see how great our God is. Let's pray and praise God together now. Lord God, you are the Holy One, our Father, God in heaven, and we do praise you. And Jesus, we just um, fix our eyes on you. We consider what you endured in suffering, in coming to this earth, and you did that for our sakes. Thank you for making yourself known to us, Jesus. Thank you for making our Holy Father God known to us, and thank you for making his ways known to us through your word. Thank you for giving us the Bible to know you and know how to follow you and to have hope and to have peace. And we thank you so much for your blessing above all that you have saved us. And we thank you that you know us right now. You know every circumstance in our lives around us and the things that disturb us, that cause us anxiety. Um, changes in our lives cause us to wonder what's going on and what are we to do, Lord. And I pray that you will hold us close to you. And we do lift up to you loved ones that are coming to mind who don't know you, friends, neighbors, strangers, people groups. 
Lord, you know who needs you. And I ask you, we ask you together to turn them to you. Show them that you are loving and holy and forgiving and you are hope and you are good and you are the one in whom we find answers and security and peace and help. This is our prayer for our neighborhoods, our town, our state, our country, the world, Lord. I pray that you will make yourself known and you will save souls because your kingdom, your kingdom is forever. We praise you that you have given us such a celebration now and one to look forward to in eternity to come. Jesus, thank you for all that you have done. In your name we pray, amen. That's all for today. I am Elizabeth Ficken. Thanks for studying the Bible with me.